Blog Talk Radio. and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same-subject, ego-filled radio show, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sportsbeat, and we're coming at you live, and I'm your host, John Sporler. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another presentation of Sportsbeat Radio Talking Sports on this Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. Thank, thanks so much for joining us once again on uh, Sportsbeat Radio, where we try to educate you and inform you. And today, our show is about a player, and we like to kind of educate people on the remembrance of past players, not so much future players or, you know, and present players, uh, because they get enough publicity. But one such player that I wanted to bring up, uh, whose life was uh, on top and then hit rock bottom, and that is the Legacy uh, of Warren Wells, number 81, the receiver, the flanker, great receiver for the then Oakland Raiders. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to me because uh, I've never been able to figure out fate of life. You know, you have people who are very successful in their lives. Um, of course, they've worked hard. Many people, it's not handed to them. Sometimes it is. You know, you have the Rockefellers and the DuPonts and the Carnegies and the Vanderbilts. Uh, there was a time when one of them uh, was so wealthy that he actually bailed out the federal government of the United States without him. Uh, that might have been Carnegie. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, but um, that kind of wealth, uh, the achievement of wealth of, a, of a, uh, Gates, Bill Gates, regardless of his political aspirations and his uh, opinions, uh, you know, a multi-billionaire. Elon Musk, you know, you look at the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Bruce Springsteen and Frank Sinatra. Uh, You look at the uh, Jonas Salks, who uh, was the precursor of uh, penicillin that, uh, you know, inoculated so many young people from uh, the aspects of polio. And, you know, people achieve greatness. And then there are those who, you know, for some reason just don't get it, just don't get there. Uh, Their lives are failures. You know, one of them was very interesting in Travis Williams, who uh, many of you won't remember, uh, but Travis Williams was kind of a hero back in the uh, Lombardi era in the 60s uh, for the Packers. He was a kickoff return specialist. He was a running back. Uh, Travis Williams was a great player and ended up uh, homeless, living in a box 
in Southern California. So, you know, you never know which way the ball is going to be pitched in your life. Uh, some people get a fastball down the middle of the plate and hit homers, and others uh, can't hit the slider or the curveball. And uh, Warren Wells was one of those types of players. Uh, you know, he was uh, all everything uh, in the situation with the Oakland Raiders. He was, you know, bombastic. He was the go-to guy uh, for uh, Daryl LaMonica, who was the mad bomber then, if you remember, those of you who remember uh, Raider football. And, you know, it was interesting because when you look at it, uh, whenever they needed a big play, it was Warren Wells who came up with the ball. And, you know, in those days it was interesting because there wasn't uh, drop balls like there is today. I mean, these prima donnas of today, you know, who were well-paid, overpaid in some people's opinions. You know, you look at an Odell Beckham who probably made the greatest catch of all time, that catch against Dallas, I believe it was a Sunday night game, where he stretched out vertically and caught it with one hand. But he missed as many uh, you know, catches as, uh, as he made. Uh, some of them were right between his numbers, and he dropped them. Uh, you know, we see with our gloves and everything, the sticky gloves and tape and all that, uh, you know, how many drop passes do we see? Not to mention how many missed tackles. Because they don't practice those things anymore like they once did. But when you look at the 60s and you had guys like Gene Washington and Charlie Taylor and you had uh, Lance Allworth and, uh, you know, great, great, great receivers. As a matter of fact, Lance Allworth was uh, the first AFL player to uh, be entered into the Hall of Fame. And when I spoke with him a couple of years ago, he made a comment, much like Gail Sayers, who said, give me 18 inches of daylight and I'm gone, meaning that you won't be able to catch him, one of the great running backs of all time for the Bears. But Allworth said, if you throw it in my direction, I'll come up with it. And it wasn't cocky, it wasn't bombastic, it was true. Uh, he said to me, the greatest feeling on the field was when you go up in the air and your opponent goes up in the air and you grab the football and bring it in. He said, there's nothing like it. He was almost in tears when he said it. That's how the effect is uh, of Lance Allworth's career. But Warren Wells was very much like Lance Allworth. You know, we looked at the Oakland Raiders, uh, not a great team. They made the big trade with Buffalo. Daryl LaMonica was the backup to Jack Kemp, who was the starter in Buffalo in the 60s. And um, LaMonica came out of Notre Dame. And then that big trade to Oakland and LaMonica was renamed the Mad Bomber because the uh, Oakland Raiders were uh, a pass-happy group. And Warren Wells was, you know, well uh, part of, of, that great, uh, of that great era. So, you know, when we look at it, uh, it's a situation where, you know, Warren Wells, uh, you know, deserves uh, a lot of the accolades that he received. And so... Uh, the problem with him is that he didn't last that long. Unfortunately, Warren Wells went the same way as Travis Williams. Uh, unfortunately, he died of a heart attack a few years ago and was kind of erased from the memory of people. And so we like to bring him back uh, as if he's playing today because he was a, a sensational player. He was uh, 
born on uh, November 14th, 1942, and he passed away in 2018 in December, a few days after Christmas. And for those of you who don't know, he was an American professional football player who was a wide receiver for five seasons in the National Football League and the American Football League. He played with the Detroit Lions. A lot of people don't remember that. And the Oakland Raiders. He had success with the Raiders with one thousand one 1,000-yard season and a Pro Bowl nomination, but saw his career end because of legal troubles, which we're going to get into. So he grew up in Beaumont, Texas where so many great players come from, the state of Texas, where he attended Herbert High School. And he was one of 16 pro footballers honored with the keys to the city in 1971. That's how good he was. And he attended Texas Southern University until 64 when he was taken in the 12th round in 64, not by the Raiders, but by the uh, Detroit Lions. That's who he played for in the beginning. So he made appearances in nine games with Lions and made two receptions for 21 yards for his rookie year. And then he was drafted into the Army, and uh, after the season ended, in 67, he returned from his military service, and he signed with the Raiders. And while with the Raiders, uh, with mostly Darryl LaMonica, as we mentioned, as his quarterback, he was one of the most dangerous wide receivers in the league. He finished with over 20 yards per catch in all four seasons, which is pretty incredible when you, th- when you think about it. And he started off his Raiders career with a Week 2 appearance against the Denver Broncos, He made two catches for 96 yards and with a touchdown scoring from 50 yards from a George Blanda pass. Of course, George Blanda, the endless, ageless one who played well into his 40s, the backup to Darrell LaMonica, and also the kicker who came in and made uh, some very straight-legged game-winning kicks. And also uh, when LaMonica was hurt, which was fairly often, uh, George Blanda, of course, would come in. He was the uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, played with the Houston Oilers back in the uh, inception of the AFL in 1960. The Oilers won the first two years, and then uh, in 62 were uh, going to go for their third straight championship in three years, but they were derailed by Hank Stram and the Dallas Texans on a Tommy Brooker field goal in uh, overtime, which would uh, defeat the Houston Oilers. But Blanda, of course, his career was rejuvenated, as so many players were uh, in the American Football League. So Wells would appear in seven of the Raider games in the regular season, making 13 catches for 302 yards with six touchdowns. He played in Super Bowl two, and he had uh, just one catch for 17 yards. That was a loss to the Green Bay Packers, 33-14, after making no catches against the Houston Oilers in the AFL title game. So he would bounce further into 68 as a starter for 12 games. He caught 53 passes for 1,137 yards, for a league-leading 11 touchdowns. And in the postseason run for the Raiders, he caught four passes for 93 yards for two touchdowns as Oakland advanced to the AFL title game with a 41-6 win over the Chiefs in the AFL championship game against the Jets. He caught three passes for 83 yards, but the Raiders lost 27-23. to So in 69, he continued his run, and he led the league in receiving yards. He had 1,260 and uh, 14 touchdowns while also averaging 90 yards per game. However, in 69, run into the postseason, he was held to just one catch for 24 yards in the loss. And in 1970, he managed to snag 43 passes for 935 yards with 11 touchdowns. And in the playoffs, Wells only played in the AFC Championship game against the Baltimore Colts. He caught a touchdown pass from Blanda 
to narrow the score to 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter, but Baltimore scored soon after to pull away, and Wells was the lead receiver for the Raiders, having caught five passes for 108 yards and a touchdown. And this turned out to be, unfortunately, his last professional game. So he was an all-star AFL in 68, an AFC-NFC All-Pro in 1970, until the league changed their guidelines for yards per reception, counting for the those with at least 200 receptions. Wells had the league record for yards uh, perception, having averaged 23.1 yards on 158 receptions. So the legal troubles then begin, and before the 1971 season started, Wells' career was cut short following legal difficulties relating to his divorce and subsequent criminal charges. Following the Pro Bowl game in Los Angeles, In 1971, he was met by police in the locker room and arrested on a warrant for probation violation originating from his conviction in 1969 for aggravated assault. And further, in 1969, he was charged with rape, a charge later reduced to aggravated assault. His probation was revoked in 1970 because he was drinking in a bar, a violation further complicated when a woman stabbed him in the chest. And he missed the 71 season while serving 10 months in a California prison. The Raiders released him in 1971, and unfortunately, Warren Wells, this great receiver for the uh, Oakland Raiders, never played football again. His personal life disintegrated further after his career was over. In 76, he was arrested in Beaumont, Texas for robbery while panhandling. Also noted by the Bay Area newspapers during his time, Wells was arrested for carrying a gun in his car, and a judge, instead of sending him to prison, allowed him to enter uh, Sinan House, a drug rehabilitation center. And then life, uh, later in life, following his career, Wells continued to struggle with alcoholism and later dementia, which so many NFL players, of course, have uh, had and uh, later became sober. He died in Beaumont, Texas on December 27th, a few days after Christmas, Uh, 2018 from a heart attack at the age of 76, and his brain was later sent to be tested for CTE uh, disease. And so, you know, the great Warren Wells, who had so many accolades uh, from uh, his teammates and uh, other, you know, your greatest achievement in your area of expertise is uh, those who – are your antagonists, those who are your opponents, who, who admire what you've done. And so even though he wasn't, uh, let's say, the superstar that uh, Odell Beckham might have been at one point, or, you know, you look at some of the other receivers who, uh, you know, have great uh, accolades like Jerry Rice and Lance Allworth and some of the others, um, you know, it, it, it boils down to fate in life. You know, those who are successful, those who are mega successful, and those who were once successful who uh, kind of falter. And sometimes it's a decision, the decisions that you make uh, that lead to your downfall or the decisions you make that lead to your uh, success. Uh, they say that every successful man, there's a woman behind them encouraging them, And uh, that's probably true, but uh, many, many people are driven to hard work. You know, when you look at Steve uh, Jobs, who was the chief engineer at Apple, uh, this was a guy who, 
you know, invented the iPhone and uh, all these other contraptions uh, of, of uh, the technologicalized world that has made our world better. Uh, and yet, you know, his demise was disease, and he died, unfortunately, of cancer at a young age. Uh, you know, we look at uh, some of the other people who, uh, you know, have not made it. We talked about Travis Williams and his success uh, in Green Bay. I remember seeing a picture of Travis. As a matter of fact, we have uh, that picture in our files of him being carried off by his teammates after a touchdown kickoff return. And the crowd in those days when you came on the field and took the goalpost down and so forth were all around them. And yet Travis Williams, uh, as great as he uh, was and as uh, much achieved accolades in the football field, uh, died penniless, living in a box in Los Angeles on the street. And Warren Wells, uh, you know, was this very accomplished uh, receiver in a day when receivers caught the football. There was no drop passes. I mean, once in a while you would see it, but they didn't wear gloves and, uh, you know, they were sure handed. Uh, we talked the other day, yesterday, about uh, in the NFL, we talked about, uh, you know, coaches of the past coaching now. Uh, and we also talk about, you know, players of the past playing now. You know, when you look at this past happy league, that the NFL has become, what would Dan Marino have done in this era of football? You know, what would Darrell LaMonica and some of those, uh, you know, great passers of uh, yesteryear and even Blanda, what would they have done uh, and John Elway and so forth? You know, the game certainly has changed. And, uh, you know, when you look at it, uh, I don't think the players today are as good as they were then. When you watch Warren Wells, and some of you, of course, uh, who are younger, uh, our show appeals probably to an older audience, but some of you younger uh, listeners uh, who are probably under 60, under 50, uh, you can uh, watch Warren Wells in action on YouTube uh, and see, uh, you know, the greatness that he had. He was a great, he was a great uh, route runner. Uh, he knew how to get open. He had great hands. He had great speed, and he had a, an ability in big games to be able to make that big catch. Some of the catches were, were spectacular, over the shoulder, you know, uh, reaching out vertically and snabbing the ball. Um, you know, you don't see that a lot today. Uh, and unfortunately for a lot of uh, fans today, particularly younger fans, uh, you've missed out, in my view, on some great, great football of what it once was. Now it's this game of... Uh, you know, celebrity, and uh, it's all about me, and, you know, and watch me, and all the celebrations, and, you know, the, the uh, pounding of the chest. I mean, you didn't see that in those days. I, I, you know, I guess that's okay. Uh, it's not really my uh, forte. I don't really like to see that. I like to see team sports and team players. That's what you saw in the 60s. That's what you saw with Vince Lombardi's Packers. That's what you saw with Shula's Colts. That's what you saw with... Weeb Eubanks Jets, and you saw that with Hank Stram's Kansas City Chiefs, and you saw that, uh, you know, through the league. Uh, th there were some people, I think Joe Namath might have been the first celebrity of the game in a way, you know, with his white shoes and his fur coat and his, uh, you know, his single way of life, the bachelor life and so forth. Uh, but for the most part, Namath was a team player. 
And even uh, when he's interviewed today, he talked about very seriously that, no, you know, we didn't drink before games. Maybe we had a couple of brewskis or something the night before, but we took it seriously because we, Bubank, made us take it seriously. But today the game has changed from what Warren Wells played into a celebrity game because coaches don't have the same accolade that they once had. This is a league run by owners, even though you do have a players association who is very powerful. Uh, there are uh, signs that the NFL will probably at some point, and maybe not that long, uh, expand to other countries. Why do you think they're playing in these countries? Why do you think they play every year in Wembley Stadium in England? Why do you think they play in Japan or, or Mexico or Germany? They played a game in Germany last year, and they continue to want to do that. Because Roger Goodell is the guy who wants to continue to make billions of dollars for the owners because he's useless in anything else. He can't do anything else except make money for the owners, and they're the ones that employ him. So if you're making a lot of money from your uh, commissioner as an owner, I don't know that you're going to complain too much about uh, the other issues that he doesn't handle well. And you will probably see within probably the next, I would say, 10 years and maybe less, you'll probably see a team in London. And that team could be Jacksonville because Shad Khan, who owns the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars, uh, has a soccer team. He's a billionaire. Uh, he created a bumper system for cars that made him a, a fortune. Uh, he owns the uh, Jaguars, and they will probably, they're, they're the team that have played in Wembley uh, Stadium the most over the years, and it's very likely, and he's very close to Goodell, that he will be the first team taking his uh, ownership to England. And then, you know, the way the National Football League goes, uh, in, uh, goes over in Europe, they're crazy about it. I mean, when you see a game at Wembley Stadium, the annual game that they play there, uh, every fan has a different, every Englishman has a different jersey, even though the Giants might be playing the, uh, you know, Cardinals. Uh, you'll see Seattle jerseys and Denver jerseys and Chargers and everything else because they're crazy about our, our league, as are the Chinese crazy about the NBA, even though they probably own the NBA. And so they would only be too happy to invest in new stadiums and so forth uh, which is what some of these rich, uh, cocky owners want. You know, we saw Bud Adams give an ultimatum, as we said the other day, to the city of Houston, and he, and he demanded a new stadium after uh, having been played at the eighth wonder of the world called the Astrodome, which was considered a mecca, uh, and then he felt it was uh, obsolete and, of course, couldn't get revenue like other uh, franchises got from their box seats and everything else uh, for their state-of-the-art stadiums, and he, and he said, you know, build me a stadium or we're moving. And so the constituency of Houston said, go ahead and move. We're not paying taxes for a new stadium. And he took his uh, oilers and headed uh, northeast to Nashville where they built him a stadium. And then in a few years later, they, they change their name to the Titans. And so what happens? Houston gets a team now, the Texans. And the Oilers aren't missed. The same thing happened in San Diego. Uh, the Spanos family, who owns the team, demanded a new stadium. Colquam was uh, obsolete. 
sitting in the, the Mission Viejo part of uh, San Diego, and they put it to the uh, constituency of San Diego, and they put their thumbs down and said, no, we're not, uh, we're not going to do it. They voted it down, and so he took his uh, chargers and his lightning bolts and moved north to Los Angeles. There is some talk that the chargers may come back to San Diego at some point. I know there is negotiations with it. I don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen, but they have been talking about it because apparently two teams in Los Angeles just, just don't cut it, particularly that the Rams aren't that good now, and the Chargers don't look too good either at 0-2. But the game has certainly changed since Warren Wells played, and I think the great thing you know, that I always admired when I was younger is to be able to watch games with great players, you know, people who knew how to tackle. You know, they don't even practice tackling anymore because they're all prima donnas. You know, we can't practice tackling. When I think of the word football, it used to be a game, somebody would say something and you would say what comes to your mind. When somebody says football to me, I think tackling. You know, I don't think, I don't think the foot, that's soccer. You know, I, I think tackling, that's such a major part of the game. You remember Vince Lombardi standing on the sidelines. What the hell's going on out there? Everybody's grabbing. Nobody's tackling. You know, can you imagine him coaching today, watching, you know, missed tackles all, all over the, the field? Not the same game. Uh, there's no style to the game. It's all passing. Uh, you know, if you don't have a 350-yard day, you, you're a failure. 350-yard days of passing back in the 60s was, was uh, monumental. I remember a game between Johnny Unitas' Colts and Joe Namath's Jets where uh, – I think between them they had 300-and-something yards, both Unitas and uh, Joe Namath. It was incredible. Both great passers. Johnny Unitas, one of the great quarterbacks of all time. I mean, they talk about Brady. They talk about uh, Montana. They talk about, you know, some of these other great quarterbacks. you got to put Unitas up there because he was pretty damn good. What he lacked in looks and style he made up for an arm, and they had a great team. And Colts teams knew how to tackle. Packers teams knew how to tackle. George Allen's teams knew how to tackle. They knew how to play the game. The running back position today is obsolete. You know, it was a time when in the NFL you would uh, draft a running back probably in the first round. Today they pass them by. They look for used quarterbacks, uh, you know, as, instead of drafting them from other teams, because they don't run the ball very much. There's no style to the game. It's all passing. There's no uh, Jack Patera-type trickery plays, if you remember him from Seattle. Jack Patera was a coach at uh, Seattle when he had Jim Zorn and Steve Largent, and he would do uh, onside kicks on the opening kickoff, or he would do a flea flicker, or he, you know, he, always uh, the art of surprise. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you should play the game that way, but it was exciting. It was exciting football. You never knew what they were going to do. The element of surprise. At one point, uh, he did the old Statue of Liberty play where Zorn, Jim Zorn went back, held the ball back, and the running back took the ball and ran it for like 50 yards. Nobody in the house expected that. And so there was excitement then. Today, you know, we know... Uh, you know, that they're going to pass probably of every uh, four downs, they're going to pass probably two or three. The running game is obsolete. There's no style to the game. Uh, I don't know if any of these coaches are worth any of the accolades they get because uh, they're stale. 
you know, the coach in, uh, of the Rams, uh, who was supposed to be this, uh, you know, godly coach. Uh, look at the Rams now. Of course, part of his injury, Cooper Cup and some of the others, but still, uh, you know, they've had their uh, Super Bowl win, and then since then they haven't been very good. There's no creativity like Hank Stram had. Uh, there's no creativity uh, like the father of the modern offense, Sid Gilman, had. I mean, when you look at the AFL, the AFL, you know, you can, they, they may have called it a Mickey Mouse league in the beginning, but they had some of the great coaches of our time. Hank Stram, Weeb Eubank, a masterpiece that he made on the Super Bowl III. Uh, you know, uh, Al Davis. John Madden. I mean, you know, it was scary what these uh, what these teams had in those days. And you look back in, in admiration because we experienced it as older fans. So the legacy of Warren Wells is that he was a great receiver. He was a clutch receiver. He was fast. Uh, he knew how to run patterns. He could catch the ball, and he was much like Lance Allworth when you threw it in his direction he would come up with it, unlike the players of today. And so uh, we wanted to give tribute uh, in his passing to the great Warren Wells, number 81, uh, all of the problems and all of the uh, situations that uh, he went through, hopefully, uh, are at rest. And we can remember him uh, for what he was, and that was a clutch player in the scheme you know, of the Oakland Raiders. Well, I'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports, where we're talking about number 81, the legacy of the great Warren Wells, the wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders from 65 to about 1971. I hope uh, it was informative for you, and if you want, you can go on YouTube and look up Warren Wells. You'll see his uh, achievements there. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. We'll talk to you again tomorrow about the history of the NFL uniform. Should be an interesting show. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Be well. We'll see you again tomorrow.